0: welcome to the business of design podcast with darcy heather wait what That's right. This week, Kimberly is taking a step back and BOD member Darcy Heather of New York is stepping up to host this week's episode. When we asked Darcy to take over the mic, we gave her free reign to make this episode her own and interview anyone she wanted, someone as a BOD podcast listener herself that she would want to hear from. Darcy reached out to her past employer, Andrew Cotchen of Workshop APD, who she credits with giving her the experience and strong foundation she needed to go out on her own and build a successful design firm. Before I hand things over to Darcy, I just have one quick announcement. Tomorrow, Wednesday, February 10th at 1 p.m. EST is BOD Live Palm Springs. Join us and hang out with Kimberly and BOD member and celebrity designer Christopher Kennedy. If you're already a member, all you have to do is head to your member dashboard for more information or to click to join. And if you're not yet a member, there is still time to join us. We hope to see you all there.
1: preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Business of Design. My name is Darcy Heather and Kimberly Seldon so graciously asked me if I would like to do a take over the mic podcast to which I emphatically said yes. So, Don't change the dial. You're still tuned into BOD. Um, I'm just doing a mic takeover while she's taking some time to do her projects. So, when this whole opportunity came to me, um, they asked me if I would like to interview somebody, and I said yes. And then they said, You can interview whomever you'd like um, in whichever business you'd like, and just hit record and see what happens. And while I was super excited about doing an episode, I was then struck with, who am I going to interview? And I thought, and I thought, and I thought a long time about it. And then when the person that popped into my head um, came to me, I was super excited. And then immediately followed by dread, because what if he says no? But I am so, so, so thankful that he agreed. And I'm very excited to introduce you guys to Andrew Kautchen of Workshop APD. So welcome, Andrew.
3: Thank you, Darcy. Thank you for that. Fine introduction.
2: Yes, so <laughs> so full disclosure, um, I worked at Workshop APD. I started in, uh, when I moved to New York in 2005, and a little bit of a background for Workshop. Um, Andrew Kochin is one part of the, princip- the founding principles of Workshop APD with Matt Berman, and you guys formed the company back in nineteen ninety. 9 oh my god 9
3: 99 yeah over 20 wow. years ago
2: yeah. and i was there like i said in 2005 6 and i think i left in 2006 and darcy
3: you darcy you were the start of our interior design
2: i was i our was
3: step into the interior design world you were the test case and from there <laughs> you launched us and it was fantastic and then so, you naturally went out on your own as you should have
2: well, thank you. Yeah, so back then, um, you're correct. I was the I was the interior design department, and I think in total there was like 14 or 15 of us in the office, including, you know, the bookkeeper and somebody that came by to do, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back of house with the computers. And I call whenever anybody talks about you know our work past. I always call you guys my alma mater because I feel like I learned so much, and you. You really set me up for um how I run my business today. I think a lot of you know how I set up our, you know, client notebooks are following. I
3: can see the black binders behind you, Darcy.
2: <laughs> the evidence is behind me, yes. The
3: evidence is visual right there.
2: <laughs> um and it's just and the organization and the detail and I was um, in preparation for, for this talk today. I went onto your guys' website, which is so beautiful, it's so gorgeous. And I pulled something out because I thought of some questions I wanted to ask you. And then when I saw this, I was like, this is exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. And there's a line on the website that says, our work, obsessively detailed and crafted, inviting and intentional is unmistakable. And I remember when I started working with you guys, you definitely, there was a, there was an aesthetic and there was a use of material and there was a, just an attention to detail, which number one, just made such an impression on me. And I, I like to think that I really have taken that skill and put it into my own practice, mm-hmm. but it was something that was very, um, evident when I was working there and my, 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 First question that I would love to, to kind of pull apart is, way back when, when you and Matt first started the company and you started taking on projects, and you guys are in New York City, as am I, and you were also have projects out in Nantucket. You, have a, um, you had a um, house out there and you, were, you knew the community nice. out there. Um, in the beginning, did you, did you guys have that aesthetic and then you found the clients that aligned or was it you started working with clients and then it kind of morphed into that. And, and then on the tail end of that, were there projects that came to you early on that you just said no to, because you knew they weren't in line with that aesthetic, even though they might've say paid the bills, paid the overhead.
3: Sure. I mean, uh, that's, that's, Fantastic question for anybody who's, you know, navigating going out on their own and opening their own business. Those are always tough choices to make early on. And for us in the beginning, I think it was, it was very much about taking advantage of the opportunities that came in front of us. I I don't think it's fair to say we were, we were either skilled enough, arrogant enough, or financially stable enough to say no very often. Um, unless we just really felt like the aesthetic of a project was not going to get anywhere close to where we wanted to be. But in the early stages of, of our career, and I'm sure Darcy, when you went out on your own, it, you were not really as focused on pushing out a singular aesthetic. You know, I think we all mature in our, in our practices and begin to understand over time. And, and really Matt and I joke now it, it took us about 15, 16 years to kind of understand what we were about. Um, so I think our earlier work was very much about getting our feet wet, getting experience, getting knowledge, getting a portfolio that we could literally craft and put together and curate in a way that we would leverage into project types we wanted to go into. Um, but we just took advantage of the opportunities and it was always about, you know, I think you you know, you, when, you, when you get a project, you often think the big picture of it, but we were always very focused on the details and, and almost looking at the, at the micro at the start allowed us to grow into a macro practice because we could pull moments out of projects that worked for us both aesthetically um, and from a craft point of view to tell a bigger story, even if the aesthetic of the project was not really where our passion sat when we were younger. So we were an opportunistic practice, not a visually or stylistically driven practice. And I say it's taken us 15 years to find who we are because ultimately Matt and I uh, uh, come to projects in a a different way and and see things a little bit differently. And um, that's what makes it exciting at workshop. I think our, our work doesn't all look the same, but it embodies the same characteristics. This idea of craft, this idea of detail, this idea of composition, this idea of materiality. And that's what brings them together, ultimately.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have, like I said, such fond memories of, of working there, just seeing how the two of you would bring these projects in, um, kind of even how early on the team was formed around the project. And I, I seem to recall that there was... And we have almost
3: all those same people there, too. I know. It,
2: I know. It's yeah. Well, and I think that speaks, I mean, huge volumes to what you and Matt have created, where I know that there are, I could rattle off five, six people that I know were are still at your firm today that were there when I was there yep. 15 years ago. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And today. if
3: they're not, and if they're not, they're like you, they've all gone out on their own and, yeah. you know, we continue to, you know, hopefully help in any way we can to build their individual practice. And that's kind of what's exciting.
2: Yeah, you have. I mean, you certainly have, have helped build mine. <laughs> 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 I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm working on a with a client right now, um, and you guys had you had introduced her to me, and that was um, 15, 15 years ago. And I we're that's on their awesome. third project with them. And that's
3: great. Yeah, it's that's been, so great.
2: So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, you know, when you when you and Matt were talking about bringing in projects, so when I was there, it was mostly the city, um, and then Nantucket. Right. And so it kind of depended on it in the city, obviously smaller footprint, um, bigger problems in terms of not problems, but bigger hurdles to cross in terms of building, you know, access and, and zoning and all sorts of things and sure. out in Nantucket. It was, you know, zoning, but for a different reason. Um, Mm-hmm. how did you guys kind of weave through who was running which project and was it a personality basis on the on the client was it whoever took the phone call when they called in how did that kind of flush out
3: I think we're, we're still trying to figure that out actually <laughs> um, you know I, I mean at the end of the day we both you know if, If I'm successful, Matt is successful. If Matt's successful, I'm successful. So ultimately, we're very much about, you know, we we talk a lot about bandwidth right now and and making sure that if one of our dance cards is full, the other one takes the project. Obviously, we've each each built a network of people that we're very connected to over, you know, 20 plus years. And so, you know, a chunk of work comes in to Matt, a chunk of work comes in to me, um, and then some work just comes in sort of to workshop. And ultimately, right now, we're at the stage in our practice where we're actually trying to push work out into more of our senior leadership so that people aren't as focused on just the individual principals and partners, but they're buying into workshop as a whole. And and we see sort of the vision of workshop and into the future of that we want you know, all of, we want more leaders in our practice. We have some tremendous ones and we want them to be the ambassadors for the practice and going out and closing business ultimately, because that's how you create the sort of longevity and succession of a practice. Um, Early on, it was very much about who could take it. It was about personalities. It was about who answered the phone. It was about who was around. It was, you know, far more of a sort of, um, you know, let's get get in it, get dirty, let's both go close the business, see who connected more with the other person. Um, Now we very rarely go close business together. And we, you know, we have a third partner, Tom, who I think you've met, who um, also went to college with Matt and I. So he's out there as well. And he's, you know, getting business and bringing it in. And I think the exciting thing is, is that workshop itself has a name, which is why we always didn't name it sort of Kachin and Berman, the Jewish law firm. We wanted it to be this sort of more ambiguous um, practice that was about a collective. And all of that, that vision that we had 22 years ago is actually um, coming true today, where the, the work itself and the name itself is what's getting us more work. It's not so much about Matt or I um and that's very much exciting to us and that's something we spend a lot of time now sort of visioning and master planning so that we see out into the future and just not what's right in front of us
2: so that is a great segue because i wanted to, to kind of pull apart the beginning of how you guys started and then from the outside looking in and i might have my dates kind of wrong but it seems like around 2014 2015 you guys Exploded. And it went from being more of a residential, mostly residential firm, to now you're doing hospitality, restaurants, um, you know, mm. bars, restaurants, hotels, you're doing development projects, and now you're even in into product. I know you're launching a line or it has launched with arteriors. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, again, I don't know if 20 years ago when you started, did you have that vision of like? I could see this completely blowing up or was it, you know, around your 10 year mark, 15 year mark saying, you know what, let's kind of pivot and let's look bigger and let's look nationally and and internationally. I know you have international projects as well.
3: Sure. Um, There are two watershed moments in our practice that sort of, um, tilted the scales a little bit for us to grow into different sectors of work. One was, um, and I think you were with us, Darcy, when Katrina happened and we entered those competitions down in New Orleans.
2: Yes. Right?
3: You were there. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, you were, you were with us then. So that we dipped our toe and sort of just thinking bigger competitions are oftentimes for young practices, how you can leverage into different sectors in this business. And we fortunately, you know, won two competitions during that time and sort of experienced, what scale meant in the design practice and that was exciting and you know the project had its challenges it had ups and downs last for years it's still not you know never was really completed but nevertheless it sort of piqued a real interest in us as far as where our design um skills lied and we found that hey we actually can think a little bit bigger than outside of single family home so that was step one step two was the recession in 2008 Um, ultimately when that happened um, we realized that you know, being a, a small practice and having a you know, few good-sized projects that really funded the practice, we were very vulnerable to economic shifts in any one, in any one segment. And that um, we didn't like that feeling. Um, we wanted to make sure we were diversified and built a practice that could seek out work in any economic climate. So coming out of 2008, 2009, we started to think how we could leverage our work into different types of work, um, and ultimately, some opportunities came about for some development projects in New York City that we, you know, cobbled together our portfolio to make it look like we had experience that we never had. Um, met with some developers, met with some folks from Corcoran Sunshine, and ultimately got the project at the Printing House in um, um in the Good. West Village. Oh, yes.
2: it's so gorgeous. And
3: yeah, and and that became a real sort of catalyst for growth of the practice, that project, getting that project. Um, you know, as the economy started to to rise coming out of the recession, you know, we were, we now had a little bit of experience under our belt and we ultimately got more and more development projects. As we got more and more development projects, um, to Matt's credit, he really became um, sort of intrigued by this hospitality world and sort of put himself out there. Went to a bunch of conferences, met a bunch of people, made some strategic relationships, and was really committed to saying, "Okay, how can we get our way into a different field?" Um, and it worked. And you know, we we got some restaurants. We're, we we've got some hotels. We're still working on several hotels now. Those projects take quite some time. And so now, um, heading into COVID, we realized you know we were a diversified practice, and we were. And we felt good. We weren't just a hospitality practice. We weren't just a development pra- commercial practice. We weren't just a residential practice. And we we built a staff that is um, super talented, um, very nimble and diverse, and can pivot between all three um, um, sort of verticals of business. That was that was very intentional. We hired people that had that skill set. We didn't want to just hire people that could focus in one niche. Um, and then product becomes the fourth vertical, sort of bor- born out of the development projects, the high-end residential, and the hospitality altogether. Um, and that's how we've gotten to where we are today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's also a credit to the, to the shift in mindset in these industries that development projects want to be like hospitality projects. Hospitality projects want to be like boutique single-family homes. And boutique single-family homes want to be like hospitality. So they all piggyback off of each other. And really, we found like all these amazing overlaps that I think 15 years ago didn't exist. But now in this sort of ever-changing design world that we're in, it all sort of comes together in a really, um, in a really amazing way that, you know, we feel like we can service.
2: Absolutely. So um, I know that you guys, like you said, you now have a full interior design um, branch of your company as well and that's do they run projects that could be completely separate from any architecture or do are they always kind of melding together in terms of what's brought into the office
3: you know we when we first launched the interiors um as you know because you were the first person it was really about like can we do this like is this possible you know we didn't know anything we only knew what you actually we you taught us darcy you were the first one come in and explain to us how this business worked. Um, and then we sort of said, gosh, you know, this could really make our projects better. Um, we could maybe make more money because we were you know, owning clients throughout the process. We could, we could really build this idea of a holistic practice. Um, and we always thought it would just be something that we serviced on our own projects. Um, and I think we certainly operated that way for at least 10 years. And then I think about maybe five years ago, some people started calling us and said, you know, we like your work. Would you be willing to look at our project if, um, to do the interior design work on? Um, we only do it if, it's, if there's no other design team involved. We wouldn't be the interior designer for another architect. Sure. We would be the interior designer if somebody was buying a house and renovating it and, or wanted to just furnish it. We've done that a few times, not a ton. We generally wanna make sure we're servicing our holistic projects the most, but we're always willing to look at every opportunity and sort of run through it and see what we think it can do for the practice as a whole. Um, but people like our interior design work. I mean, we've got, again, some amazing talent. Uh, we've got Mike's fellow Michael Ellison, I don't know if you've ever met him. He's our design director. He's just a, an amazing talent. Um, who has, who has built a great staff around him of amazing talent. And we love the way the, the synergy and the energy works in our office um, between the architectural uh, studios and the interior design studio. It's, it's exciting. It's challenging, as you know. I mean, I, I tell the architectural studios all the time, they don't know. How, like, interior design is so complicated. <laughs> there are so many things that can go wrong. I've never seen anything like it.
2: Oh, my God. I love it. Because it's, it's, you know, I think sometimes as designers, we feel like it's our, we don't want to shove it down somebody's throat. But there are, there are so many moving parts in our field. And, you know, it's not an HGTV moment where, you know, the, it, it, the project's done in 24 hours, and then they walk, you know, it, there's like, there are so many. Um, so many. And even, you know, I was mentioning to you before we started recording that, you know, I'm starting to hire here. And, you know, the people that I'm, or, you know, the position I'm looking for is not necessarily a, a, a desi- heavily design related. And yet everybody, that you know, they see designer and they want to, you know, they think they, they come in and play sure. fabric bins all day long. And it's a it's, um, very small percentage of what
3: it actually does. You know, check the, the orders, dot the I's, cross the T's, and then check them again, and then check them again and again. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we've we just had an install on Friday for a project that was unfortunately, you know, delayed due to COVID in the city. And it, we try to do that HDTV reveal as much as possible. We really try to manage the project in such a way that we can create this this great moment at the end and give somebody a reveal. Um, but I I I told the homeowner I said they can't come to the apartment for the last 3 days. And they're like, "No, no, that doesn't makes no sense. What do you mean we have to come to the apartment? You're you're moving our stuff in." I was like, "Yeah, I get it, but you really can't come. And it was this like back and forth, and you know their stress was rising. They'd waited so long, and you know I just said, "You got to trust. Like we're gonna get there. It's gonna be a disaster, but we're gonna get there, and everything's gonna come together, and you're gonna walk in the door, and you're gonna be really happy." And and the wife was just like, "No, I don't get it." And I was like, "Well, you're gonna have to get it because we actually have a policy. You can't come." And so it was. Yeah, it was it was gr- it was great, it was, but but stressful, certainly. How stressful. was the reveal? And it was it went very well. Yeah, it went very well. Um, I mean, you know, people are people are literally walking out the doors. They're coming in the front, like it, it's that. It was that situation, but somehow we survive it, and we say we'll never do it again, and then we do it again, and it just keeps going and going and going.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking. You kind of. We talked a little bit about it and I was mentioning well, I, when my email to you was, I think the last time I saw you was, it was like January or February of last year. I remember it was kind of a warmish day. I ran into you at that bagel yeah. place on the Upper West Side. And, you know, who knew that six weeks, eight weeks later, we were going to be in this like the middle of this pandemic. And so what has that been like for your firm? What aha moments have you had since, you know, I imagine well everybody was working remotely. So what what kind of ahas have happened in light of of how we've had been changed, forced to work differently? Sure. I mean, I, I think
3: we're in I, I call it phase three of this uh experience, whatever we can call it a pandemic. It's sort of just another life experience, I think, that we're all you know, hopefully dealing with, unfortunately, some, it's, it's a bit more, um, unfortunate and tragic. Um, phase one was sort of shock and awe of, oh my God, what's going to happen to business? What's going to happen to employees? How are we going to survive this? The world is clearly coming to an end. Right. And, you know, we, we very quickly called on our, our 2008 financial, um, crisis and, immediately began to execute and implement some of the same strategies that we had uh, rolled out then. Um, ultimately, unfortunately, we had that we thinned out our staff a little bit, um, maybe some people that were on the fringes anyway. Um, we, we instantly began, went into um, cash saving mode and we, we unfortunately reduced people's salaries by 20% um, because we knew that um, we were going to need money to to pay our employees and ultimately overhead and everything like that, because projects were going to pause and some did not that many, but some did. And in the first few weeks, many people were like, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. We can't even think right now. So we sort of went into damage control. Um, I think that lasted for about sort of two months and then things began to stabilize a little bit that I sort of called phase two, which probably lasted, you know, four months where, okay, People are getting their groove. Work from home is not so bad. We realized, wow, our staff is amazing and highly motivated to work from home. And in fact, working more from home than they did in the office, no commuting, nobody could do anything, right? Nobody was even going outside. So work was getting done. So we felt really, um, so aha moment one was, okay, we're going to make it through this. One, two, our staff is amazing. And we're going to be changed forever. We're going to give people a lot more freedom to do what they want to do to strike this, this, this live work balance in a very different way. And we're going to, we're going to really rethink this. And, um, ideas like four day work weeks, we rolled out through the whole summer. Um, we, we know for sure we'll never expect people to be back in the office five days a week. It'll be a three to four day a week thing, floating days, give people four day weekends to go somewhere and work remotely and just, the system works, Um, the meeting system works, the execution system works. There are sides of the practice, in particular the interior design side that really needs to be more face-to-face, we've realized. They're sort of handicapped a little bit through just, you know, Darcy, all all the things you've got to see and touch and feel and put down, so a little more um, face time. Then we moved into phase three, which I think started to happen around the middle of June when the phone just started to ring, that this sort of um, people being locked up in their homes burst it out into people want to move. They want to, you know, drive their stake in the ground for their second or third home, or they, you know, they want to get out of the city, be more suburban. And, and really that, that, pay, that influx of, of new business has not let off the gas at all. In fact, it's, it's peaking right now. Um, and so the, the lesson learned I think is if you, if you build a good practice that has a diversified workload and an aesthetic that resonates with people and you tell your story in a very clear and concise way that the work will come. Um, And, you know, I've, I've been the pessimist for 22 years of always constantly like freaking out that, Oh my God, where's the work going to come from? And certainly the, this pandemic has been no different, but I think I've learned now that, you know, good work gets you more good work and a good reputation and, taking care of your clients as, as you've built your practice, ultimately the work is always there and, and people can find, find you these days. It's, it's easy, it's easier than it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, so it's been a really, it's been an unbelievable year. I I just, in so many different ways. And I, I spent a lot of time sort of trying to understand it, trying to, you know, make mental notes. I take a lot of notes. I, I read up a lot on leadership, trying to become a good leader within our office and make sure people feel comfortable. I mean, we have so many challenges beyond work of, you know, mental health of people being locked in their studio apartment. We, we just, we've tried to touch on all this stuff and make sure people know that we're here to support them. And I think building that type of team, that type of family has, has become really, really important through this.
2: Yeah. You definitely touched on something too, where it's not, it's not just about the the nine to five or bigger hours grind of, you know, showing up at the office. But there is, I think for myself, it's, it's kind of shown this like much more of a human aspect in terms of, you know um, we, we are working remotely and I, my senior designer has a family member that's health compromised and really making sure that mm-hmm. I'm honoring and respecting the, balance, sure. the boundaries there because I just, you know, making sure everybody's safe and and well cared for as an individual which ultimately makes them happier and they produce better work, so. It's so
3: true, right? It's so true. If you, if you can connect with people more on a, on a personal level, um, which has been surprisingly accepting and easier through a screen, right? One-on-one with people, there tends to be this focus rather than running around the office and running by somebody's desk for two seconds and saying something, there's, there's a real connectivity that can happen through the screen yeah. Um, which is good. I mean, trust me, I want to get back to work and be with people face to face. I love it. I miss it. I, I I, like that. But this has just been, it's been interesting as I was just watching um, Sunday morning on CBS, which is like the best show ever on TV. And it was this morning. They did, they did a whole, did you watch it? they had a whole story, a whole piece on sort of is the world changed forever. And a couple of Harvard professors and they're on opposite sides, right? Somebody's like, I got to get back to people. The other guys were never going back. So, everybody's got their own um, sort of preference and I think opinion on how this has worked for for them. And uh, I think that the real takeaway is, is that the world is more flexible now and people are going to be able to live the life that they want to live and work the life they want to work with more flexibility to, to just, to just be in their own space. And, and that, and that's, that's exciting.
2: Well, and I think the other thing, which, you know, again you've been in business 20 plus years and but what was impressed upon me way back when in 2005 when i began is that there was you guys had some real core policies and procedures in how everything was run and i think it's like you know you have to have that in place that infrastructure is so important so that everything you can, you can go out and yeah. Trust that people are working from home and they everything's in the correct folders and you can yep. you know, you can find it while you're in Nantucket and somebody else is, you know, in their place yep. in New Jersey or what have you. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Michael Ellison, the the interior design director, he whenever we go meet with new clients, he's like, Andrew runs his place like a military operation and it's ingrained in everybody. And if they can't hack it, they're out. And it's sort of true. And we did it when it was just Matt and I, two people. I the way I was raised, the first jobs I had, there were certain like just things in place that like, this works, like it's going to always work. And I think that maintaining that sort of um, organizational infrastructure ultimately allows you to grow because without it, you, you really, you, you waver. And, and the advice I got from one mentor very early in my career, and they're like, you run your practice the same if you're one person, or if you're a thousand people, it doesn't change. And we've been able to scale, I think, because of that, because like you said, we put some of these things in place that we, that we haven't changed and we've just, you know, we've, we've grown into them. They now really make sense as we're a larger practice.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you kind of touched on one thing, but it was, it's kind of wrapping things up. I would love to know with all that you've been through, all of your experience and, and the highs and lows. Looking back at your younger self, you know, first three to five years in business, what would you tell yourself? What could you go back and tell yourself that you know now that you wish you would have known all those years ago?
3: Well, in the first three to five years, you're young and, you know, crazy energetic. Um, You think you'd know everything. I would tell myself, you don't know anything. (laughs) Right? You need to... You need to ask people, you need to bring in better consultants. You need to surround yourself with people that have experience that you don't have and don't try to talk your way through things that you don't know. That's younger self mid, mid, you know, 10, 15 years into career, you learn, you don't know, you know, you don't know anything. So you surround yourself with great people. And I think now it's very much about um, recognizing That when you surround yourself with great talent, you just do great work. Um, You know, there's no, growth in the practice cannot exist without phenomenal talent. The leaders only can get you so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the people like Brooke, Stefan, you know, Tyler, Zach, like these guys that have been with us forever, it seems like, and a bunch of amazing new leaders as well. I mean, they have built this practice from the ground up right? We've just given it the food it needed to, and the fertilizer to grow. And um, I think when you're younger, you really kind of think you ha- you're you the one, right? It's all about you. It's me. And, and, and I can do all of this. And we really take pride in the in the success of others yeah, um, as much as ourselves. And I love nothing more. I tell people all the time, like you, James, um, a couple other guys you don't know all out on their own. Like to me, I love that. That's such a, there's, there's no better like, cycle of a career to see other people become really successful in, in their own practices and in their own careers, whether it's with workshop or without. I think you know, we've become very well known for our holiday parties that you know, people that, that haven't worked for us for 10 years still come to our holiday parties. And it's just, it's a, it's a good culture I, I think that we've tried to create because we focused on it. Yep. Um, it's not a byproduct, it's actually ingrained in, in the practice
2: well and i think also there's there's um you guys i mean i especially you know when i was there it was like your willingness to teach your willingness to say there are no dumb questions you know it was there's like you said there's so much growth there and i i love it when i can go on a job site and i'm with a you know the tile layer and i'm learning something new about how he's you know mapping out the grout lines and everything because i just think like God, they're doing it so good. You know, this is not Home Depot, do it yourself on a weekend. <laughs> These guys are, no. they I mean, they're, they're artists, they're, they're artists. artists, yeah, they're absolute artists. And it just makes um, the vision that we've created that much more spectacular when it, when it's executed well. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I remember, you know, years and years ago, I worked at a, uh, an actual workroom where they did custom furniture and draperies and um, I remember these, you know, these seamstresses, they would have these beautiful draperies laid out on the table and so much amazing detail that went into these draperies. And then <laughs> unfortunately, the installer that was doing the installations at the time would go out to the job site and there'd be like fifteen holes in the wall and they were oh, hung well, up. Right. It's like, you know, it there's such a process of of making sure that you're aligning yourself with these artisans like you said you know that yep. they really um elevate everything and i yeah yep. i really it's so true so yeah. true so um i so kimberly always ends with design intervention and it's we've kind of talked about some things but is there one nugget of information or advice or a motto that you would love to share with the listeners that you think could just sum up i don't know design advice that you have
3: try to find the unique experience in every opportunity and never take anything at sort of at face value. Um, I think we're, our, our industry allows you to, um, is really storytelling. It's life. it's life storytelling and how you can take advantage of anything that's put in front of you to make yourself better, make your work better, make your portfolio better and ultimately leverage that into better work down the road. Um, I think a lot of people boo-hoo opportunities and say, oh, this isn't right. Whereas, you know, there's so many challenges and so many lessons learned that can come from any opportunity that's put in front of you and you never know where it's going to lead. So, so always awesome. try to find the, the real upside to everything that that you're working on.
2: That's awesome. No matter what it is. Thank you. I don't know.
3: Maybe that's, that's like, not that profound, but
2: no, I, I, I think you've
3: sort of lived by it.
2: I, I do. I love that. No, I love that you said that. That's, that's great. Um, so since I'm running this podcast interview, I wanted to end with my mm. own question. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Don't you? <laughs> total, total. Anyways, and anybody who yeah. knows me would, cause you can see from my office, if yeah. you were a cocktail or a mocktail, what would you be and why? Um,
3: oh, that's interesting. So I'm a pretty thoroughbred pure, um, like tito's and soda guy white on white um keep it crisp keep it clear so you can see what's out in front of you that's what i am
2: good and pure, pure
3: and clean yep yep that's,
2: amazing. that's what
3: i drink that's what i drink it's really all i drink i don't drink anything really else i'm not i don't try many new things i've sort of you know it's tito's and soda that's it
2: well, if it you know if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right?
3: Nope, that's what I say. People are like, "Why don't you try something new?" I go, "You want to know what? I can. I don't get hungover on this. It's gluten free, and I'm good."
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, Andrew, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. I I can't thank you enough. I just like I said, I I have so much respect for you and Matt, and I just my time at workshop was. I mean, it was, it was the best. And it, you guys awesome, Darcy. Thank you for um, set me up with, with uh, tools and um, the knowledge and the attention to detail. That's something that I get so excited by. And I think you, you guys are just um, incredible at your craft and I love hearing how you're growing. And I know there's many, many good things that are going to be coming to you. So thank you so much for your time. Really thank
3: you, Darcy. You got it. Right.
1: Bye. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.